0: which is uh, just a really special chapter. It's at the center of the book of Leviticus, and essentially in the center of the Pentateuch, the law of the first five books, Uh, because this is a central, critical (coughs) point, um, and just uh, has a lot of uh, symbolism and teaches a lot of things. Uh, the, The Day of Atonement, essentially, was a day of the year, the tenth day of the seventh month in which they went through these procedures to make the purification for sins. Um, There's a lot of procedures and a lot of provisions by God to deal with sin, to deal with guilt, and to make purification for these things. So, let's uh, begin with the first five verses. If Somebody read those. Now the
1: Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, And they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering he shall put on the holy linen tunic and the linen undergarment shall be next to his body and he shall be girded with the linen sash and attired with the linen turban these are holy garments then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on he shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burn offering
0: Okay. now the occasion of this Teaching was when? After Nadab and Abihu had died, which <laughs> is appropriate. The death of Nadab and Abihu, which occurred while they were functioning, serving in the tabernacle, raises the issue of the safety uh, of the priests. You know what? Precautions do they need to take? And this chapter is very relevant in that way. Uh, if What would happen if a priest were to just go barge into the, the Holy of Holies someday? He died. He couldn't do that. Um, it's uh, why, why couldn't you? God's presence was there. He is a holy God. And so for an own unholy person to enter into the presence of God is fatal. It, it's, it's not right. It, it violates the barriers. Um, and God's presence must be carefully guarded. However, there is this day, this procedure. Go ahead, Josh. Couldn't once a
1: year, one, the high priest
0: go in? And that's what we're going to see here. Okay. This is the exception to that. This is when someone does go into the holy place, the holy of holies, and uh, but that can only be done under very carefully regulated circumstances. And so he goes through in detail. Uh, first of all, the basic requirements here: you've got Aaron entering the holy place with this in verse three—a bull for the sin offering and a ram for the burnt offering. Now, in verse four he has to go through a couple of procedures. First of all, what does he do? (coughs) (coughs) Put on the linen garments. That's the linen tunic and linen undergarments and linen sash and linen (coughs) turban. All of linen. Do you know the significance, or at least what I understand of the significance, of him wearing linen as opposed to wool or something like that?
2: It was more expensive.
0: Perhaps. I'm not sure. Somebody know one of the things the law specifically says about why they wore linen? Well, it was white. Yes. And that symbolized
3: purity, but I don't
0: think that's where you are. That's not where I'm going, but that's true. I forget where it is, somewhere later in Leviticus, but uh, to keep them from perspiring. Uh, You know, the perspiration would even be somewhat of a disagreeable discharge in a way. And so the linen... Uh, apparently, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever worn linen, but apparently it better. would not. <laughs> it, yeah, it breathes better. That's a good way to put that. Uh, so, but, but also, compare him dressing like this with his normal high priestly attire. What can you see? Much simpler, much plainer. Isn't that a little strange? Why would he dress in a simpler, plainer way, here, James? before the most holy person. Yes, in God's presence, even the high priest must be stripped of all of his honor, lay aside his bright and glorious clothing. Uh, come before God; you must come without, you know, the finery and the pretense and the shame. To me, the
4: 'Cause and Church of all honors because God gave him his position. He is not trying to be showy to God because God is the one that gave him his power and gave him his position. And we should all be I mean, when we come and we worship when we worship God, we should all not be thinking of ourselves as higher but being able to be able to worship him as best we can. And that is uh, to me that is why they were I mean, where are you so plain because God was the one that gave them their just
5: However, they have to be preached. Amen. Good point. Yeah, Logan. Uh, Brian, going, on, uh, going along with, but he uh, said that first of all, he's going in to God, and that he wants to show not only humbleness, but also, I think that can also be saw as a foreshadowing today that when we go to church, we're worshiping God, so we need to have humbleness and reverence in doing so. Amen. Brian. Well, when he goes before God, he's representing the people, and his atta- his dress needs to reflect
6: the humility. But if he's in front of the people, then he's representing God, and that's
7: that could be why his clothing is much more um, fancy, I guess you could say. I like
0: that. That's a good that's a good statement. Makes sense to me. I didn't think about that,
8: Beth. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you know, well. We oftentimes look in the Old Testament place like this to find principles about you know, how we should dress today and worse and things like that. And, and I think the Brown was saying exactly right. When we, we're representing God to other people, we are we, not trying to be flashy and you know, over sh- and showy, but at the same time understand there's need to represent ourselves in a way that we will we'll, we'll, we'll be good. You know, will be not necessarily impressive in a sense, but you know, be respectful. And to to some extent, you know, to conform to what they But at the same time we see here from this this example of when he actually comes before God just in God you see what God really cares about God doesn't (coughs) tell him come to me dress all up with all these things God is really concerned about who we are what our attitude is inside and while we we can take certain steps in the way we present ourselves to other people that may help us when we deal with them that's ultimately not the focus of our relationship
0: good point that was a good consideration self (coughs) though. other thoughts about his uh Linen garments, here. What's the next step he takes? Not necessarily after. These aren't necessarily chronological, but, but what's the next thing he mentions? Yeah, he bathes. I assume that was probably prior to putting the clothes on. But, uh, yeah, he's he's to bathe himself, and then he puts his linen garments on, and then he takes uh, the two male goats for sin offering and the ram. For the burn off. All of this is sort of, you know, getting the preparations made for what's going to be done on this day.
3: I think
0: Good
9: point. Other thoughts through five? Would he bathe in the great Bath there at the the temple? Is that where he would have
0: bathed? Never seen it translated that way, but.
10: I have
6: no idea. That's where they bathe back in Exodus. We're, we're, you know, Moses and Anthony bathed them a little Okay. Alright, so perhaps so. Mike? <laughs> uh, of, uh, I'm not sure about bathing, but I know a lot of think a think cleansing you? took
0: place right outside. <laughs> what else of, uh, did do? At the wrong place. Yeah. In fact,
3: every time they entered, even for the first one they
0: couldn't enter that without <laughs> <Yeah>. washing. Right. I <laughs> just hadn't thought about bathing completely there, but perhaps that is where they would have done them. <laughs> yeah, it
7: was huge. Yeah, how big
0: was it in the Tabernacle? I don't remember. In the Tabernacle or the temple? In the Tabernacle. Oh. Cuz it was bigger in the temple, right? Yeah. What was it? 50 by 100? In the <laughs> temple or the Tabernacle? In the
3: Tabernacle.
0: Was that big? It was the Yeah, the Tabernacle itself. Yeah, how how big was the the labor? And the tower but it's back here somewhere. Yeah. Oh, the labor
3: itself?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't that big. I thought you meant the tower. No, no, I meant the uh, labor. Was that? In 27, we find out big can it. Actually,
6: it's 27. Yeah. I don't know if it gives us a side. 37.
0: Okay doesn't give the dimensions there in 30, does it? So washing their hands and feet. Maybe that's what they did. Good questions, I hadn't thought about it. So perhaps they would have bathed in that uh, labor. Makes some sense to me, thinking about the fact that they probably wouldn't have <coughs> accidented the tabernacle complex to bathe.
7: Okay, other thoughts or comments through five? they actually bring the bull itself, or
8: the blood
7: of No, I don't
0: think so. Uh, I don't think he's saying that he brings the whole bull. I think he's going to actually describe the process here in a minute. In the of what he gets to bring.
10: Right. That's what I think.
6: 40, 30, Exodus 40.30 And he placed the labor between the tent of meeting and the altar of the water and the washing from it. Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. Verse so 32 When they entered the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar they washed. Just as the
10: Lord had the Moses.
6: Okay.
0: Is it possible this is a thought, that in 16.4 the bathing is just washing the hands and the feet and it could have come after they donned the linen?
8: I about that. I don't know. Uh, the story says, uh, says the his body water and puts them on.
0: Yeah, that's a good
9: point. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay, Is so he, yeah, He's going to his body.
2: He's going into the Holy, the holy, the holy the of God, so I think it would be a complete cleansing. That makes sense does
1: um, yeah. how but to to like, you know,
0: well, actually he's going to have some of both there are some animals for him and some animals for the people I don't know, though, that the point of this is just the great sacrifice that's being made with the animals. There's not a large quantity of animals here or anything. I think it's more the symbolism of what he's going through. But we'll, we'll, we're, we've just kind of assembled some things together. Then we're going to actually get down in a little bit to what parts for him and what parts for the people and so forth. There's a lot. It's a pretty elaborate situation here. James. James.
11: Sacrifices made in verse three. Who were those
0: for? Uh, foolish. I am not sure. I'll have to. The bull of sin offering in eleven is for him, and.
5: did the burnt offering. Have been for the people since he represented the people.
0: Where? Yeah, which verse talks about the ram for the burnt offering? Anybody got that. I have it. I probably got that. This is the day of atonement procedure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. Oh, no. Come on. Anyhow, 11, It's the the bull is for him. We'll see the rest of this as we go through.
11: it.
6: So he offer sacrifices for the salvation of the again, but In Exodus 20, uh, 24, remember, you shall not make an altar of earth, earth or, no, verse 26, and you shall not... Go by steps. My altar been this minute. be on it. I mean, I really do wonder if, if they just wash their feet and their hands. I mean, that's what it says in Exodus 40, 32, 33. that they weren't totally de to do that. Mm-hmm. Mike, I, I don't endorse this. I've got a
3: computer program here. It's Adam Clark's. He claims that the ram is also for for them as well for the
0: uh, priests and the priests. I suspect that's the case, but let's we'll see if we go through this. Okay. All right. Um, 6 to 10.
2: And Aaron shall offer the bull to the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself before his household. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots of the two goats. One lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat, on which the lot fell for the Lord. the lot for the Lord fell, and make it a sin offering. For the goat, on which the lot for the scapegoat fell, shall be presented alive for the Lord. To make atonement upon
11: it, to send it into the wilderness the
2: scapegoat. Okay,
10: this is more or less an outline
0: of the ceremonies. In 6, he offers the bull for what? the sin offering for himself. And we've seen the procedures for the sin offering back in chapter 4. Then he takes two goats. Now, the procedures with the goats are unique to this, although they remind you a little bit, as we said, of the birds and the cleansing for the leper. What does he do with these goats, first of all? He casts lots to decide which one belongs to God and which one is for the scapegoat and he will take the goat for the lord and do what with it no. it's a sacrifice it's a sin offering for the people the goat that's been chosen by lot as the scapegoat what's going to end up happening to it it's going to, live. It's going to live and yeah. send out in the wilderness exactly <laughs> bearing the sins of the people away. So that's the outline of the procedure. Uh this uh um, whole story, uh the 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 crux of it is surrounding these two goats. Uh, that's that's kind of the, the genius of, of this. Okay, comments and questions to verse ten. Ben.
2: Yeah, I read this a while back, I thought it was kind of reminding me of you know, Christ that uh, with our sins on him. He was both uh a goat that was
0: killed as a sin offering and the scapegoat. Amen. I agree. Josh? Um, so the scapegoat is basically just a sign of the sins being put on the goat, and then he goes... He's taking their sins away. Exactly. We'll see that even in more detail as we go through. This is kind of the overview, and then we're going to get this step by step. Right. I think this is where the word scapegoat came from? I assume so, unless... I don't know. I, I think it probably was, really. I mean, sometimes it's that they pick out a word, but I think this may have been where it came where from. So one of the early translations of whatever. Okay. All right, let's break this down,
12: then. Uh, 11 to 16. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and that, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat he shall... Sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Okay, so he slaughters the bull of the sin offering for himself.
0: Then he does something kind of interesting in 12 and 13. What's he do? He takes fire from the altar and? Incense and does what with it? Takes it inside the veil. So he takes incense, I think, into the Holy of Holies. And then he burns incense on the altar of incense. Uh, And the point of all of this was what? Make it cloudy. Yes. Why? Make it cloudy. God was already in. So he would uh, be protected from the presence of God. If he had actually you know, seen God's holy glory, it would probably have been lethal. So the smoke sort of covers the mercy seat and clouds the presence of God. The smoke of the incense. Okay. Yes? Where did he burn the incense on the altar? I think in 13. I believe that's what it's saying when it says he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord. I think he's burning incense on the altar. Why do
9: you take it into the holy of holies?
0: Well, I think, uh, and maybe he's doing, I, I took it as he was doing both, although perhaps... I thought he would burn
6: it in there. Like only, in there. there. Yeah. only in there. Only in Only in the, in the holy of holies. I think it's just the opposite. Maybe it's not, he, he only goes in there once. But maybe the smoke is what goes inside and then and kind of metaphorically, he goes in there, the smoke and the incense goes. In.
11: This all comes from the fire pan. That's why he put the coals in the fire pan and takes the incense inside. And that's
0: the only okay. place
11: he's done.
0: Okay. Maybe so. Perhaps the idea in 13, I took it that as what he did back out on the altar. But maybe we ought to take this as what he does in the fire pan inside the holy police. What about that? Any of you guys uh, have a definitive response on that? Amen. Yes. Thank you.
7: <laughs> well, he brings the incense inside the veil. I don't know why he would bring it in and take it back out. <coughs> um, I,
0: I've wondered also, let me, let me throw this out. I think this is saying he takes it into the Holy of Holies. However, there was sort of a curtain that covered the entrance to the holy place. It's not just saying he takes it and burns it on the altar and he doesn't ever take it into the Holy of Holies itself, is there? I'm uh, taking this veil as the veil before the Holy of Holies. That he's actually yes. taking the fire pan with the incense and actually going into the Holy of Holies and burning the incense. James?
4: Yeah, I have a question with that. If he takes the incense into the Holy of Holies, as this is burning the
0: May depend on whether or not he looked. I don't know, but that's a good question, right?
3: I don't know of any scripture that says this, but I heard that he might like stick his hand inside,
0: holding the hand. <laughs> well, that'd be an idea. Don't know if we have got any. Yeah, that would that'd be a way to do it. But I don't know anybody
10: anybody studied this and have some.
6: D- didn't we come across when when he took the the, uh, the blood in before, before the altar, that, it wasn't that also, in did he go inside the veil? A, <laughs> yeah. No.
2: Inside the veil? No, yeah, he sprinkled the blood towards the veil. That's yeah, what I you
6: know, that was
10: thinking.
0: It would be like uh, four, six, but it's in front of the veil of the sanctuary. <clears throat> So for now, we're okay with the idea he takes the fire pan and the incense inside the veil, either with his hand or with his whole body, and burns the incense on the fire plan inside the Holy of Holies to build up a cloud in there of incense.
5: Logan? I've got a question. The idea that Aaron couldn't see the glory of God because of the him uh, is that what the idea was from, that everyone said that... Every- See God, we shall die. I think
9: so.
12: Okay. Alan. This is kind of like speculation. It's always kind of uh, made me a little curious as to why uh, we can't see the glory of God. And I kind of thought that maybe it was because so we couldn't make an idol to Him. Or... I don't think it's just
0: that. Why couldn't we see the glory of God? Why would that be bad for us?
10: <laughs> She's so-
9: He's so holy. Think about Paul in 1 Corinthians twelve, uh, where he saw, well, he went into heaven, and he then had to have the thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. That if we were to see the Lord, that we would really struggle with pride. Could that be another thing,
0: Ben.
8: I don't think we can handle it. I mean, physically, <coughs> mentally be able to handle that without dying. I mean, it'd just be. Even when you think about what Moses saw at the Nazi, the very first thing he says "This it wasn't a life, no man had seen see peace. And so I think it's safe say whatever we're talking about here is not see.
0: And isn't there some thought about the <coughs> sinfulness of man?
10: My...
3: I was going to say the same thing, just that I think from our standpoint, it's difficult to imagine how holy God is. I mean, he is so utterly pure that if there's just any speck of, of sin within us or unrighteousness within us, God can't have anything to do with that. I mean, he'd reject that. It's just his nature. He,
5: he won't.
0: <coughs> oh, okay. Lord, Lord. Lord. Um,
5: I was just. They say, of well, the reasons we might not be able to see God is one of the big things that God really prefers to us have contact with him is not only through prayer, but also through faith. And if we were to see him, we wouldn't need quite as much faith because we had already seen what was there. So maybe it's just the attitude of being able to trust <coughs> him. Mm-hmm. So, so, so how do
6: we, we reconcile... Comments about sin before God, and yet Satan comes before God you know, in the case of Job. And I mean, i never. I mean, is that really the issue? I mean, is it? Is it? The, I mean, God came down here and lived among sin. Okay, those a good questions.
0: Somebody answer. <laughs> <laughs>
11: The Lord Himself It's the result of what we're seeing. You know, the, the mountain
0: on fire, uh, how he appeared to Zephyr, those were appearances of the glory of the Lord, but not the Lord Himself. I agree. I agree with uh, that. How do we explain Satan coming before the Lord? Well, we the
11: but we're not. All
3: right, Greg.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
11: Yes. Like angels came before him at the same time. Maybe from
3: the standpoint
5: that he is an angel, he's, he's still allowed by God until that day of destruction. He'd also have to, almost have to come before God, because like in the case of Joe, I think it was chapter 1, that uh, he had to come before God to ask permission to tempt him.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are good questions. I don't, yeah, it's good to challenge our assumptions. We often make them and we don't always uh, have been and been. Ben? ben? <laughs> well, that still leads to the thing of
2: uh,
0: Jacob wrestling with God. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, in some of those, it seems to me like that's wrestling with someone representing God and not with the very being of God. That'd be my take on that. Not <coughs> anybody might agree with that. You might open up a can of worms. But, Ben?
8: 1 uh, Corinthians 15, Paul talks about the whole kind of idea of globalizing the race. It's, it's not like he nails anything down for us, but it's pretty clear that there's a distinction between our heavenly bodies and, and our earthly bodies. Now, I don't know if necessarily, I mean, our sinlessness is raised from God at the same time. Um, I think a large part of it is, reason, you know, <laughs> so we, we are physical beings still. and I don't you know I don't know how Satan would interact with God directly but maybe he can do things with him that we can't because Satan is also a spiritual being in heaven and you know it, God's definitely not allowing him to be a part of him you know I mean, God is light and there is no darkness whatsoever but Satan might could interact with God in ways that we can as earthly okay
5: raise more
0: questions than I've had answered to my satisfaction
5: anyway. Marvin? Uh, I agree with Ben that it's possible that we may just not be able to see God because he's in what we often call the spiritual realm that uh, maybe we're <coughs> really not able to see him because God, I guess you could say is a spiritual being while we're clear about <coughs> That's certainly true. Max? Going we back to the same. the
13: The the altar of incense was just outside the veil, right? Correct. But in Hebrews, he speaks of it as though it's behind the veil. I take it because it pertained to that. Right. So there's some. So in the lighting or in the putting of incense on that, I'm assuming
10: the cloud
13: automatically would go in there. So I don't know. I see what everybody's. Let's say it right there in verse 12.
3: where they offer the incense that's when they're paying. it's not a, i don't think it's a question of do they have enough smoke so that they can't see something in there it's just if you don't do this you're going to bring this good
9: Really care a whole lot whether he wins or not—that that big a <laughs> deal. But why do we have a problem with him going in? Why? Why does that? Why do we? I mean, if it says that he does go in, why? Why do we want to question that? Is what I'm wondering. Is you know, this is a special day where he is going in before the Lord. Why didn't he go in more than twice? I mean, why do we have? Well, maybe
0: maybe two questions we might ask about that. One is you know, going in without the incense already being clouding God. I think we were kind of wondering about that. Uh, we may have had some answers to that. The second thing is, it might I don't know that we have normally seen incense burned other than on the altar. You know, we normally associate the burning of the incense with the altar. Now, the points that have been made about the fire pan and putting the incense on the fire, maybe that, I mean, that may be trying to say this incense is not being burned on the altar, it's actually being burned on the fire pan. Right? Those are two things that would come to my mind that, you know, kind of have to think through. Uh, to, And there might be initial barriers to that. It does seem to me, though, as I said to begin with, I still think 12 and 13, 12 at least, and you've convinced me 13, is really talking about him burning the incense within the veil. That seems to fit the language better to me. Ben.
2: That, yeah, it must have been just a fire pan. in there, burn the incense off, because that altar, with some of the altars they had to put the blood from the sacrifice on the horns of the altar that they burnt incense on <coughs> the hornboard. Yes. And, add, and they could only, you kill know, only air can go into the inside the veil, and then only once a year, so it must have been outside. So, I think you're right. It's just a fire thing, it's just burned fire thing. Inside the veil.
0: Exactly. exactly. All right. Other comments and questions?
5: I I have a logistics question. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know if we
0: allow logistics questions in this chapter. Go ahead.
5: Okay. If
4: he's got the fire pan and the incense, and he also is taking the blood like at the same time? No,
0: I don't think so. At least that's my feeling.
4: So he goes in a couple different times.
0: That, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I have envisioned him taking the incense in, then going back and getting the blood okay. and bringing it in. Am I okay with that?
9: Yeah. Okay. As as I thought that he took the incense in, left it in there, went and got the blood, came back in, did what he was supposed to do, and left. That's what I
0: thought.
9: He went in twice a year. Three times, actually, <laughs> I think, five. Yeah.
0: One day. So,
10: Okay, anybody else want to get in
0: on the incense question? <laughs>
9: <laughs> All right. Go. Uh, this may be just I mean, going, well, speaking logistically, this may explain right. some of the fire issue. issues. I mean, <laughs> we, we
6: okay. see this may be how they got fire and incense right. fire and incense into the tabernacle. actually they had a fire that's why they had fire fans yeah to then take the gold in there and put them on the altar of incense and perhaps that functions <laughs> or it plays a factor of what it is yeah and, and it specifically says in 10.1 in that they took yeah. their respective fire fans yeah so that's what those fire fans were alleged you know an ordained use right in the altar they just may have misuse for the wrong fire right, that's what I would say Brian well,
9: that's what no.
0: <laughs> so we do know that they brought the fire in the fireman. Exactly. Ben. Yeah. So we can have a lot of questions. One thing I can really know that I'm sure is that
8: the priest would have gotten the fireman. Because otherwise he would have died. yeah You know, these are details or some soberly approached the idea of how he wanted to approach God. You know, that that's in the most important part. Is that whatever, however it went down exactly, it was
6: troubling important that he approaches so he do
0: it right. It is interesting, the degree of detail given,
6: and I think that's the reason. Callum. And therefore, for him to preserve his life, he had read the book. Absolutely. And yeah, read it and carefully follow it. And so we do. Amen? So what about 13? Uh, so, or, I'm sorry, 14. How, how is that? He sprinkles it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Yeah, he takes... In front of this. Isn't that redundant?
0: All right. He takes the blood of the bull, um, and which is the sin offering for himself. And he sprinkles it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Also, in front of the mercy seat, he shall spring, sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. So I take it that he sprinkles it one time sort of on the lid and, and seven times in front of the, the ark. That's what I'm taking it as. Are we okay on that? And then, in 15, he slaughters the goat of the sin offering for the people. He brings that blood in, and just like he did with the bull, sprinkles it on the mercy seat, I assume one time, and in front of the mercy seat, I assume seven times, to make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities and sons of Israel and so forth. So we are purifying with the blood of the bull for the priest and the blood of the goat for the people, we are purifying the holy of holies. Questions and comments about that.
4: Would the incense still be burning through this whole thing?
0: Uh, I think so.
4: Okay. Does incense last though?
0: Probably depends on how much there is. I don't know. Anybody know much about the burning of incense and how much, how long it
9: would yes. burn? Yes. Yeah, mean, I mean, it's probably something to faster though
0: slow burn. Low burn. <laughs> yeah, one. there's two handles yeah. out of that but it's the smallest
10: we know it's good point. It's gonna be inside this place that's cut off and everything, so i Good point. And like Vince said, I'm
0: sure the police would know they had that. Good point. It <laughs> wouldn't maybe have taken just hours and hours to finish this procedure either. All right, other comments or questions through, uh, I don't remember, through 16.
9: It's hard, I don't know, I think we think of this much too lightly. I think sometimes that, you know, he's going in the temple and he's going down the veil and whatever, he's, you know, the blood. But he's going in before the Lord. This is, the Lord is in there, whatever, sitting above the mercy seat, or however that works. But he's in there, and he, and... I guess, I mean, it, you were the high priest. You couldn't help with thinking of Nadab and Abihu. That immediately, they were dead. And, you know, if I, if I do something wrong, if I miss, you know, a sprinkle or something, you know, I could die. You know, you think about how carefully he would count how many times he sprinkled the blood. How careful he would be not to touch the ark or, or to do everything perfectly. Because he's there before the Lord. And that, I think this is much too distant from us what he's doing
0: that's a good point.
9: Yeah, this this is
0: perhaps easy to read and kind of, you know, not give a great deal of importance to, but this was a, a critical day, and these would have been very, uh, I don't know, sobering things to do. I mean, wow, if you're the high priest, this is serious. Mike?
3: I, I suppose we do take that-
0: was hard for the high priest to get to sleep the night before he does it. I mean, no, really,
4: shame. Sometimes, I mean, many times I think things for granted that just that it's just so easy to take things for granted. I mean, if you're the high priest; you can't take this for granted. I mean, you have always got to be thinking of I can't, I've got to do this perfectly right. If you start taking things for granted, then I mean, you could die from just not paying attention from a little mistake. And like John said, that think be kind of sobering. Because, you know, if you can think my next move could kill me, I think mean, you, you are a lot more difficult.
0: Perhaps we should be thinking about ourselves as priests uh, in that same vein.
2: I wonder if that's why he, this was only done once a, once a year. It's because if they did this every day, it, it wouldn't have been as sobering, but if they were only allowed to do this. I'd have been, been
0: awfully dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Max?
13: So this kind of makes me wonder what, you know, what happened when you get to, especially New Testament times, with Annas and, and those guys, who would have, I assume, gone in and done this. I have a hard time believing that their hearts were where they ought
0: to be when they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord may have been uh, especially merciful in their cases.
12: I was gonna kind of go on what like John was talking about. He was talking about like you know this is the presence of God. You go beyond the veil, see so, yeah, this is only one guy. But now that veil has been torn, and now we can boldly approach that. And you know we have this daily this opportunity to do this without any fear at all to do these things. And yet we take it for granted. Uh-huh. We we don't think about it seriously. And I know I suffer with that. I mean, we just don't think about the joy that we can have. To go before God so boldly and so fearlessly and with sincere love.
0: We need to have more respect and uh, soberness about the seriousness of our whole relationship with God. It's all said and Good point,
5: London. Uh Another thing that Sarah goes on with that used with uh, what was said about uh, being the high priest of duty, thinking your next move could kill you. If you think about it, we should look at our duties the same way, to so always be very careful to stay away from sin and to keep working even harder at knowing more about God because if you think it, we're not guaranteed a day, another week, or even another second in this world, God's the only one who knows the time of judgment, so, and just because, it, and that's not just the time of judgment, we don't know the time of our own debt. Amen. Good point. Red.
8: understand they lost some of the lineage and didn't have like the high priest was more political position as opposed to like I mean, how would you consider under quite the same constraints as this I mean, obviously the glory of God was here at this place. Do you think it would have been anything like that at
0: all in the It's a good question and I've uh, debated on various sides of the issue of whether or not the presence of God ever reoccupied the post exilic temple. What do you say, Kyle?
6: Well, I mean I, I mean I don't obviously
0: we don't know, but I
6: mean never we never
3: have gods who were descending in the cloud like you did before. So you wonder if he ever did you think too God spoke to Zacharias while he
2: was there.
0: That's true. While well, he was in the holy place, not the holy holies, but he did. Although God could be present anywhere. God could come whether he was really dwelling there or not. I don't know. I mean I used to assume that God did reoccupy the post exilic temple. But I've been challenged on that enough and thought about it that I'm a little less confident of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good question, James. I'm
8: not sure on that issue. Um, But looking at the Israelite history, I'm not sure if even they would have kept today day
7: the time uh, like the New
0: Testament. I think they did, though, historically, didn't they? I mean, they still do today without all this, but it's still a special Jewish day that's important to them. Yes, Yom, Yom Kippur, or whatever, which is, uh, is it Kupur in even English? I don't know. <laughs> That's the
3: Hebrew.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it means David Jones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mike? I think they used reasoning that they no longer have a temple, so. Right. They, they can't perform, they can't perform those sacrifices, but it's still a special day to them. I'm assuming they did. Surely they went through those rituals in New Testament times.
7: I wondered if, if God never came back, why was the, the veil torn? If That was, that would have to be purely symbolic. Why
0: would Jesus go there? It's a good point. I've wondered when Jesus said, Your house is left to you desolate, if that wasn't meaning God's presence was leaving at that point, sort of like He did in Ezekiel. So maybe we ought to say that God did reoccupy that post exilic temple, as I always used to think until I was challenged a lot. Derek.
3: Now you're being challenged the other way. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what. There's too many challenges. John, settle everything. Ezra, is it Ezra when they build a
9: temple? Uh, yes. Does, does the cloud descend when they finish? I don't think or there's any statement to that effect, is
0: there? No, there's not. That the cloud descended, did the cloud descend when they finished the temple in Ezra 6? Yeah, I think it just says the temple was completed. On the third day of the month Adar, it was the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. So they offered sac- uh, uh, sacrifice for the dedication of this temple, but only don't ever a statement that the Lord came into it.
6: Which is not maybe so significant
3: if they contrast that with the tabernacle and with the
0: temple. Yes, absolutely. Both in the tabernacle and in the Solomonic temple, you have a very definite, clear, forceful statement about God's entering the temple. Do you think also? Although this is not the this is not the temple that Herod built, and you do have, I think, God's approval of the temple building procedure, even from like Ezra 5 and verse 1, where the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to get them to rebuild the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and Haggai specifically in his book, we see that. I agree. Though Herod's temple, I don't know much. But am I right in saying that he did not tear down the temple and rebuild it, but he just refurbished it? Or am I wrong? Anybody know?
5: I always thought that the temple was somewhat, I don't know if it was completely destroyed, but I know at least because Jesus decided to his apostles that parts of the temple would be broken.
0: Yeah, but now that's later. Yeah, that's later.
5: Well, the, the Lord
13: was certainly with them in the building of that temple. He says so in, in the Haggai. So it's hard to it's hard, that. even though you don't see the cloud, perhaps, it's hard to imagine that he was with them and told them, you know, condemn them for not building it. And then they build it. He says, Don't fear I'm with you in this. Um, you know, and he says, as for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your Yet you do not fear. It's hard to imagine it wasn't there. And, I, you know, my way of thinking, it it, may, it certainly was not as glorious and one of the reasons was because you are
0: missing that one element that you had yet. The, the glory a of <laughs> okay, that's helpful. I mean, <clears throat> anybody want to offer a comment? I, I, I certainly don't want to argue against God's presence coming back into it. That's what I had always thought. But I've just come to think that I may not be able to prove that. Mike.
3: I'm just curious, what, uh, where did this questioning come from? I mean, I, I, I understand, but why would somebody assume that it didn't?
0: I think perhaps because there's no statement to the effect that it did, as there was in those other two cases. Well, he tolerated a whole lot of stuff before he finally set them into captivity. <laughs> I mean, they at least they weren't worshiping idols. So, God's got tremendous patience. I don't know. Anybody want to weigh in on that question for whatever reason? <laughs> I'm not sure, where that come, came from in relationship to uh, Leviticus. But all right. Wow. Well, anything else through sixteen? Yeah.
6: We really do see here uh, the whole you know big point in the whole book. On it. It's just that you know, here's God willing to dwell among them a sinful people and you see you know, you know, see both of these things God's complete and utter holiness and yet God's graciousness at the same time that he's willing to live there among them and it's just that you know, perfect nature of God in both respects and his treatment of us
11: yeah.
6: Amen, Bruce
11: Isn't it possible that God wanted the Israelites as a whole to know that remember there's always been a remnant the remnant should have had access to God at all times those who were faithful to him but most of the time when you talk about Israel and their unfaithfulness we're talking about the nation itself so I can see how God would would want the nation to know that I'm not in this temple anymore but there's still access to those who were faithful to him in some way
0: certainly God's presence was not limited to the temple when they were in exile they could still be in God's presence that's true
10: other comments and questions.
11: James. I, I was just thinking about the high priest. He offered the sin offering, purified himself, and then still he's not able to see the glory of the
9: Lord. That got me thinking about the glory of the Lord itself and how great it was. Um, I thought about uh, Ezekiel one twenty-eight, where Ezekiel sees the appearance of the likeness of the glory. Paul's um, down. It just makes makes it very clear. Even the purified high priest, and see the glory of God, isn't too much for a human body to handle.
0: Good point. Very good point. We need to value more highly and and
9: more reverently the presence. (laughs) Um. Why was the high priest? Why? Okay. Um. Why did Moses? see God in some sense and nobody else was allowed to.
3: Okay.
0: Why did Moses see God in some sense and nobody else was allowed to?
6: He still said in <laughs> Exodus 33 that no man may see <laughs> my face lest he die.
0: So Moses saw his back. Right. right. And Moses had a very
3: unique relationship with God. I mean, he was very popular. <laughs>
0: So it would stand to reason Moses could get closer to seeing God than anyone else, though he did not see God's face. He he saw God's where he'd been. Um,
10: I don't know what else. What do you think, Mike? Damon, Bruce.
11: And I think the reason God appeared to Moses, and Ezekiel, and special father prophets, and He spoke to them so He had a special commission for them. Moses being a savior of His people, the story to convince them that I am the Holy God who sent me on this mission. To convince them. Good
9: point. It's just interesting to me that I don't remember what time period that took place for Moses. But that even after the priest had made this offering, this sin offering, that he was forgiven, that he was at that moment completely pure, and why he couldn't see the Lord and Moses could, because uh, Moses was a sinful man as well. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. anybody want to respond to that? What yeah.
0: Well, he's saying basically that why you've got a purified high priest that can't see God. And a sinful Moses that could. Why? Now, we've, we've said, well, he didn't really see God. He saw the back of God or whatever. So maybe that's part of it, Ben? Perhaps because the relationship with the high priest, God will continue on
8: to be a
6: symbolic thing for the Israelites, as opposed to the palace and the revenue And it was forced to serve. Okay. That's good. Kelly? James. Exodus 3319, which Paul quotes in Romans 9, I will be gracious to him, I will be gracious, and will show compassion and him, not show compassion. I mean, maybe he just did this to Moses. I mean, not because Moses was inherently any closer to God than any of the rest of us. He just showed desire he just like with he chose Jacob versus Esau, he just allowed this privilege to Moses. And he
0: did do this to reveal his nature. I mean when he passed by Moses understood in 34.6, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, loving kindness and truth, etc. So this was a revelation of who God was more than a revelation of what God looked like. Shane, do you still? Yes, I think,
4: I think it goes back to what was said that I think it was God had something to reveal to Moses and the other is that he it revealed himself to. He had a law that was going to be said, in Moses' case, he was revealing to him the Ten Commandments. But I think it also goes back to what, uh, what else was said was that not only was that he has to reveal to people, but that he would have mercy on him. And now isn't it in Exodus where it says, when well, Moses comes back down from the mountain, that his face was glowing because he's seen the presence of the Lord. So I think it goes back to what was said that because of the mercy and because he had a purpose of letting Moses see him
0: and letting him transcribe the the command. I mean, it probably is true to say that Moses got closer to God than anybody <laughs> else in the Old Testament. <coughs> can I say that? You know. And why?
11: A man all
0: the yeah. And he was... I mean, shoot. He was... You know, you can say this about so many people, but man... In so many ways, Jesus or Moses was the Jesus of the Old Testament. I mean, he was the Redeemer. He brought them out of bondage. He was the provider through the wilderness. Obviously God, but through Moses. He was the great lawgiver. And he was no whiner. He was no whiner. You know I mean? Numbers 12 makes the point that God had a special communication relationship with him. You know... If, uh, if there's a prophet, Numbers 12:6. if there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth. So, I mean, he's different from a prophet. He's, he's got a more direct communication with God. So I, I think we can say that Moses got closer to seeing God than even the purified high priest would, but I think it's because of his role. Maybe. Whatever
3: spoken Moses' as a man to friend. Um, they had a really, even though Moses failed a couple of times, I mean, they had a very close relationship. Um, Which verse is that in 33? Exodus 33, 11. Okay. okay, yeah. Very good. That's a great thing to be friends with.
12: Where was that in Exodus when it talks about uh, uh, Moses only seeing the back of God? In 33. 33. As far as Moses' relationship
2: with God, one verse sums it all up in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. Since then, no prophet is risen in Israel like Moses, the Lord who face to face.
10: Good
2: question. Of course, really, it would be more like back to face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think face to face in the sense of the... Uh, the closeness of the communication. (laughs) All right, other questions or comments? It's a lonely scene, but going back to (laughs) the
6: scene, it's a lonely scene for the high priest. I mean, Tabernacle wouldn't have been a real beehive of activity uh, on many days, and yet now everything else has ceased except these single animals he's slaughtering you know, people weren't bringing animals in, Levi's weren't bringing animals, it was just him doing this, and him going in and out, and maybe that's somewhat a shadowing of Jesus' solo
11: and lonely
6: efforts on our behalf.
0: I agree, and isn't it interesting, on this most significant day, we're not sacrificing a few hundred or thousand animals. You know, there's a lot of simplicity in this. I don't know, I think that might be significant in some way. Wow. Anything else on
7: this? Um, studying the, um, the building of the temple in Solomon, um talked about how everything was just gold everywhere. And, um, the nails they used were at least plated in gold. And, um, how awesome it would have been to go in and see you know, the ark sitting there, this huge cherubim like guarding the ark and, and stretch from wall to wall way above your head and and it's just an amazing thing for a human to see and then to read here that the only time they went in there was a cloud (laughs) it's like, well it wasn't for us to see in that sense it wasn't it wasn't made for us it was made for God what was the chair then?
0: Uh, an angelic creature but these were in gold and they sort of protected God's presence there about the <coughs> <laughs> odd. I have mean, of, of what they think, barf, and like that. That's Cool. They That's good. Yeah. You've got cherubim especially in like Ezekiel and some descriptions given out of. them. I don't think we have as detailed a description of seraphim. They're literally, seraphim means burning ones. We see them in Isaiah 6. Uh, but I don't know as much about seraphim as I think we are revealed about cherubim. Well, there's a lot of unanswered questions about the cherubim as well. But there's a lot of stuff about angels, and there are a lot of different kinds. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I do believe we have managed to cover just about everything in the Bible in Leviticus. <laughs> so,
10: uh,
0: how about how about let's uh, you know at least read three more verses. When somebody read 17 to 19. Kelly was making also, that there's one mediator between God and man, so there's one high priest doing this alone. And then, he's done the stuff within the Holy of Holies. He comes out to the holy place, and what does he do? Yes, which altar? Incense. Incense altar. What does he do to make atonement for it? puts the blood of the bull for his own sins and the goat for the sins of the people and puts it on the horns of the altar and on all the sides of the altar. And then he takes his finger and sprinkles some of the blood on the altar seven times to cleanse it. Kind of reminds you of, you know, in the Holy of Holies, it's one time on the lid and seven times in front of it. In the holy place, it's one time on the horns and sides of the altar and seven times on the altar. And notice we are cleansing, we're purifying, starting uh, the farthest back or the farthest in the inside, the Holy of Holies. Now we're coming out and cleansing the holy place. Comments and
9: questions? <laughs> did the altar, the big one out in the courtyard, did it have thorns? Yes. Yes. So when Ger- jo- jo- Joab. The altar, he didn't run the no, it would have been the, uh, he's,
0: he's, it's basically a request for asylum and so it would be on the burnt offering altar, which would have more relevance to that. James, and then Alan.
9: Uh, uh, a sacrifice is not made on the, offer, on the altar of incense, right?
12: That's correct, the only incense was brought an offering of the No, altar. no. Alan. Uh, what is the purpose of the horns on the altar. I probably should have asked that a long time ago, but I never understood that. i to put the blood of the sacrifices
0: on. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, horns represent strength. So I wonder if it's kind of the power of the altar. Were they
7: literally looking like horns?
0: Or? I figured they were, but I don't know. So I mean, I'm, I'm envisioning something kind of coming up to a point. I don't know. somebody seen the horn. I can, I can show you
3: the rendition, but the right. how accurate these are. We don't have the actual one anymore, so it's just
0: and, somebody's imagination. And don't you hate it when you study these things that our English language confuses the issue and I suspect there's some people imagining bugles or something, but these are animal <laughs> horns, as it usually is. Always first think animal horn anytime you read a horn in the New Testament. There's not too many uh, times a musical horn is spoken of.
3: Yeah, that could be, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, Bruce.
11: Do, do we know who all was allowed in the tabernacle? You we know who was allowed Oh, The rest of the tabernacle, once he came out,
1: he said no one was to be in there until really he comes out. Who all could go in the tabernacle? I was thinking only the priest.
0: I agree with that. I think only the priest. Yeah. This is too, I don't know, what would you say? Too serious, too reverent for even anyone to be in the holy place while this very significant, reverent work is being done in the most holy place. And
13: even the priest didn't
10: just wander
0: in and out of there. Yeah. I mean, it's like with Zacharias getting to go in, it's kind of a, it's done at certain times. Yeah, they never loitered inside the the tabernacle. I mean, if you do what, when you leave, you would never have just kind of gone in there to relax or anything like that. Even the priest. Okay, other thoughts through 19? Good. 20 to 22.
1: the transgressions in regard to all their sickness. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat, attendant on edge, to spare the head with his skin in redness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to its solitary place. And he shall release the goat into the wilderness.
0: Okay. So he comes out and he <coughs> kills the live goat or, or well, he offers the live goat, He's killed it already. And, uh, wait a minute. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> let me try this again. He comes out, he offers the live goat, but that doesn't mean he kills it. He, uh, he lays both of his hands on the head of the live goat. He confesses the iniquities of the sons of Israel o- over it, and lays his hand, uh, actually lays both hands, right, on the head of the goat, and sends it off in the wilderness. He's already killed the other goat. So, this is what he does with the scapegoat. And, um... As he, what, he, what he's doing with essentially transfers the iniquities of the people onto the goat. And the goat, being sent off into the wilderness, is carrying the sins off. Someone has said that the scapegoat was sort of like a spiritual garbage truck. You know, he's carrying the, the garbage, the sin, the corruption, away from the people. And uh, I believe this is all, the only time when both hands were put on the animal. Not exactly sure what that means, other than perhaps emphasizing the fact that we're putting our uncleanness, the high priest representing the people, onto that uh, goat, <coughs> and remind you so much of Jesus as he bears our sins away.
8: But the only time, also, I think that's
0: right. There's some other times sin was confessed, but I don't recall another time when sin was confessed over an animal.
12: Alan. Now, would he be here confessing all the iniquities of the people? I mean, because that would probably take a few days, months to do all that.
2: How extensive was this I mean? Was it like, so-and-so slapped his little sister seven months
12: ago?
0: Ah, surely not that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody got a uh, learned uh, discourse on to what extent the sins and the transgressions were confessed. With what detail, I guess, is the question.
4: Oh, I just read the whole book. Does it say that every single
7: sin was confessed? Or does it say well, it says
0: he confessed over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins.
11: Yes, I agree. Would
5: it, would it be just a congregational sin or all the sins of the people individually? Because I think that it would be hard, just, first of all, to uh, keep track of all the sins of the people individually. and it also a great amount of time to confess. All of them. Mike? That was my thought. I think, I, I look at this as like
3: congregational sins, not individual sins. Joey slapped his, his sister or
7: something like that. But These are, these are false things. The nation of Israel has a, a congregation that's have against the Lord. Yeah, I envisioned something like Psalm 106, like in study. Got kind of study? Well, Go I confess that it's done
3: now.
4: Same. I also that he may have said something like just forgive us for the sins not like naming every sin but saying that we confess, we know that we've done this please forgive us, not actually naming all the sins but just saying that we've sinned we confess that we have sinned now that he, in doing this to forgive forgiven. Okay. forgiven
1: I would have figured something along the lines of following after the ten commandments there you know saying we've Confess these sins of adultery and stealing and murder, etc. Whatever, something like a shortened version of like that. I, I just <laughs> a
13: combination of both. I mean, you've got you've got Daniel and others confessing national sins. They were specific about some of those, but it's like we talked about the other day. <clears throat> you start talking about sins of ignorance. You we know, we're ignorant, and so you know there might be a sense too, which so I would think
9: it would be national sins but sins for everyone too okay John so agreeing with things that I thought maybe he's just categorizing sin that, you know you know here's the murderers and here's the rapers and all the other ones you know he just goes and he categorizes sins and you know confesses that into individual people. I don't think I've ever thought
0: so long about this part uh, either. Uh, so uh, that's interesting. Um, notice, like Hebrews 9.28, Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of men will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin for those who eagerly await him. And so many other passages where Jesus is presented as the one who bears our sin. You know, he's the one that took our sin upon himself. To bear it away. And uh, he's our scapegoat. Max. Do you, these things- Now, where are you in Hebrew? Oh, in 9 yeah. 7, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you for that. That may that might modify our conclusion on that. Uh, I'll well, there had to be intentional
11: sins forgiven David was
0: forgiven. Would I think there might be a difference between saying that intentional sins could be forgiven and saying there were sacrifices that could be offered for them. I think that may be different. I've got Ben and then uh, Brittany.
2: I don't know, same thing, but in verse 17 it says, "When there he goes to make the covenant in the holy place, no one should be in the tent of meeting until he comes out." Then in 21, at the end of 21, it says that he is sent away by the hand of Moses, with some readiness. So it's they, he, uh, like, have come, come out of the, he's out of the holy place. I think, now. So, I think, he, and out
0: of the holy place. Now he's in the courtyard.
2: Okay, so I gave a you know,
0: yell for somebody to get in there and help Well, but I think so, uh, somebody could have been in the courtyard, okay. just not in the holy place. Britain.
1: Um, I we were kind of really talking about um, the, like if they
5: had two goats and they killed one and put the blood on the other one and let
0: it go. Yeah, put the sins on the other yeah.
1: one. Yeah, like, so it's like a uh, symbolic um, thing
0: used for just getting rid of the sins? Yes. Yes, that's the idea. I think this is the, symbolizes what the forgiveness is really all about, and the purifying of all of this. So like yes, the sacrifice would be the, the goat that's offered, and the other goat shows what's done with the sins by that sacrifice. That's my concept. Lisa. That's a really good question. I don't know if I have a great answer. It is the one time a year when the tabernacle is purified all the way through. Um, and maybe it sort of, maybe it does to some extent symbolize the ultimate atonement for the sins that year and for the bearing away of the sins. I don't know. There's a lot of debate about some of this too. But somebody got some good statements about that? I, I don't have a very good answer, Ben
8: kind of along the same lines of, you know, we're not sure how exactly what he confessed and what I confessed, but, you know, there's a greater lesson is what needs to be done with sin. And, you know, sometimes we look at the old law and we get talking, you know, the sacrifice for making sin was kind of paid off. But, you know, more than that needs to be done with sin. And the debt needs to be paid. But also sins need to be sent away. They need to be taken away from us. They purified from them as well. And just, you know, sometimes, you still do get such an idea of, you know, it's a, a financial transaction almost we just we pay off God with this and while Jesus was really generously paid off God he did a lot more than just paying that debt he took those sins all the way from us he gave us a means by which we can watch those sins, no longer have them on us at all and it's, it's much more involved than just paying off with that debt.
5: good point where'd they get yeah. the
1: land from with a, with
0: number one, the the other one good question where'd they get the animals from that they used on the day From the congregation, verse 5. Okay. I don't know who in the congregation, from the congregation, verse 5. I mean, nobody's going to want to sacrifice it. But I mean, it's getting rid of their sin, so I guess. I'm not When it says
12: from the congregation. They could have drawn lots. I don't know. I don't know. I um, I need a yes or no question, then an explanation of that, because like somebody had. I've, I've heard a lot from like our uh, congregation that we go to. I, I don't know if this is a universal idea or, or whatever, but we were taught that you know they could not attain true forgiveness of sins under these sacrifices, etc. And uh, using various passages and stuff, but I've never understand that concept. So if you could elaborate upon that.
0: Well. In my judgment, they were forgiven of their sins in the Old Testament, but not by the blood of bulls and goats. They had to fulfill that condition. But the sacrifices were forgiven by God because of the sacrifice of Christ that was coming.
6: Okay, That's my understanding. And, and you'd really say that based on...
0: Well, Romans 3.25, but there's so many passages in the Old Testament that talk so forcefully about sins being forgiven. Some of the best figures we've got of forgiveness in the Old Testament, like Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west. So far as God removed our sins from us, and he's drowned them in the depths of the sea, Micah 7, and so forth. Bruce? I've got to cross it,
11: I agree. That
0: helps me understand. Yeah, God did not execute the punishment. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I agree with you because I and then I like you. <laughs> <laughs>
5: because, I mean, I don't think
0: Maybe not deserve, but it's the condition God set. Yeah, listen. I was going to say the illustration of the check was
10: helpful.
0: Yeah, I've used the illustration that God wrote the check of forgiveness to the people before the funds of Christ's blood were in the bank to pay the check. But he knew that the funds would be there when it time, came time to pay the check. We had it was not wise for us to write a check without sufficient funds <laughs> to cover it. But God being infallible and knowing all things infallibly could do that.
6: Hebrews 10 and 11. 12, the priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for all uh, sacrifice for sins for
8: all time sat set down for us. Amen. Ben. I don't want to get
6: too philosophical.
8: I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, mainly because before, I'm not sure I could fully explain explain it, but you know, all the things we describe, all the words we describe all have to do with the chronology. Say the things we're looking for and things we're after and you know I, I don't know how it works for God exactly, but there's strong indications in the Bible that time doesn't exactly work the same way. And so, you know, he describes things to us in ways we can understand we can't understand things about time. But you know, Jesus loved what he gave everyone. And we see everyone as before Christ and after Christ. We put our calendars by that. But so I don't think God has a calendar he flips over every day. Okay. And, you know, I'm not sure how that works exactly. But I think to say, well, perhaps there's something more going on here than just our understanding of how time works
7: would not be a bad way to explain it. So, I'll buy that. Yeah, the, many times you know some of the prophets talking about how things have already been done that hadn't even happened yet, but in God's time the
0: head Yes, a father of many nations, I have made you. Before you were having any
9: children. Yeah. Okay, else through twenty two. The idea of him laying both hands on the head, as you said, what I with that. That's also interesting that since he's not killing this animal, the other hand is not reaching down to slit its throat. It's on top of its head, um, giving his sins to the animal. Okay. Other comments and questions. What if the priest
2: ever got hurt by these animals? Hope
0: not. Are we ready?
2: You know, Gary, if you're going to offer to teach this class, I really wish you'd prepare it
0: better so you can have all. Well, I sort of wish that myself, but uh, uh, maybe uh, you know uh, what I could do? I could just uh, say we've got to finish the next couple of chapters before we get lunch.
10: Uh, What do you think? You're doing perfect. Would you like to be sacrificed?